What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Rewired Soul podcast. It's your host, Chris, and I have a very, very special guest for you today. It is none other than Mary Roach, and we are here to talk about her book, Stiff. All right, so check it out. If you haven't read it, you need to. Uh, in this conversation, I kind of explained how I was unfamiliar with Mary Roach, and uh, I ended up reading this book, became obsessed, and yeah. But anyways, they just released a new edition of the book yesterday. All right. So Mary and I actually recorded this a while back and we planned on releasing it around the time of the launch. So in, in this uh, episode towards the end, you'll hear me ask her when it comes out, but it is out. So make sure you check down in the description below and grab yourself a copy because stiff is all about what happens to bodies after they die. All right. And this is something I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be so grossed out. This is nasty, you know, whatever, but it was super duper interesting. All right. And, you know, I, I talked with Mary in this episode about why she decided to write this book and research dead bodies and what, what type of things they do with them from, you know, uh, uh, crash tests to, um, looking at them for forensics purposes, uh, to what some cultures do with dead bodies. Uh, we, we discuss, uh, what a body farm is. And I also asked Mary if she would ever eat somebody. Uh, we have an interesting uh, conversation around this, but this was such a fun conversation. Mary is one of the coolest authors that I've met. She's awesome. And she has another new book coming out this month in September. Uh, I believe it's the 14th. She has a new book called Fuzz. And we actually recorded an episode to talk about that book as well, which will come out uh, closer to when that book releases. But anyways, anyways, Stiff has sold over a million copies. And for a good reason, it's a fantastic book. And I get to talk with Mary about, you know, some of the research that she did and some of the behind the, the scenes stuff. And uh, yeah, and I asked if, you know, the, the people who work in this industry are as creepy as I imagined them to be. And that might surprise you what she says. All right. But anyways, I hope you enjoy this episode, but make sure you check down in the description. Make sure you are following Mary over on Twitter. Grab a, a copy of the new edition of Stiff. We discuss in this episode what's new about it. So if you read the old one, there is new stuff in here. And yeah, I, I can't wait to read it and check it out and the updates and all that. So grab a new copy. And I'll also link if you would like to pre-order her new book, Fuzz, which is a super interesting book about when uh, nature breaks the law. And yeah, you just got to uh, read the, the summary of it because I can't even begin to explain how interesting it is. All right. But yeah, while you're down in the description below, uh, make sure you're following me over on Instagram and Twitter at The Rewired Soul so you don't miss any updates. I love chatting with all of you and talking with you about books and all sorts of cool stuff. So make sure you're following me over on social media. And if you're new, take a second before we start this conversation and make sure you are following the podcast or subscribed, whatever platform platform you're listening on. All right. That way you don't miss any new episodes either. All right. But anyways, without further ado, here's my conversation with Mary Roach about her book, Stiff. Hello, Mary. How are you doing today? I'm just fine. It's a beautiful sunny yep. day and uh, I'm doing all right. Yeah. And and yeah, so I, I, I got to tell you a quick story. I actually forgot to tell you before. But uh, yeah, so my my lovely girlfriend has been bugging me to read Stiff forever. And I'm like, Ugh. like, I'm the kind of guy where I watch movies <laughs> and stuff where if it's too gory and dead bodies, I'm like, I don't want to read a book on that. And then finally... I did. I was like, this is amazing. So I'm, oh, I'm, thanks. So, I'm so glad I did. And yeah, I fell in love with your, your writing and everything like that. So, so yeah. So I want to, I want to go back to when you decided to write this book, what inspired you to write a book about what happens to dead bodies? Sure. You know what? It, it started in the basement of the science, the science library, UCSF Medical School has okay. this library. It's like six stories or something. And in the basement is where they put this, 
stuff that most normal people don't have <laughs> any call for. You know, it's, it's old, basically. Not necessarily gross, but old. So I'm wandering in the stacks, which I love to do. And there's this row of books called the STAP, S-T-A-P-P, the mm-hmm. STAP Car Crash Conference. And I'm like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> so I start looking through it and it's from the early days of automotive safety science, mm. where they were trying to figure out, first of all, like, how do we make cars safer and how, and how might we make a, like a crash test dummy? Because they didn't have crash test dummy then, so they were like, well, uh, we need to kind of see what happens to a human body in all kinds of crashes. And so how do we do that? Those get those guys to go feel anything. Yeah. Uh, and what was crazy was that like up to about 30 miles per hour, the researchers would get on the crash sled and like just sort of taking the hit. And like, see what happened, yeah. but up, up past, you know, certain speed, you want to bring in the people who don't feel anything. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So I wrote a couple of columns about that work and uh, an agent had contacted me just uh, when I was writing, it was a column for salon.com. Mm. So that's how it, that's how it started. It wasn't like, I have a passion for dead bodies. <laughs> I've always been interested in dead I had never written about cadavers. I had never. Although I did have it, I did a job in high school where I was a janitor at the medical school. Really? Um, and one day I got assigned to the morgue and I'm just, you know, sweeping the floor. I'm not doing anything with the bodies and they're all like covered in heavy plastic. And I'm kind of like, woof. <laughs> so, I mean, I had seen um, an anatomy lab in that way, but it never occurred to me that this would become a large part of my future. Yeah, no, that's that. That was kind of my next question because I, the the types of books I read, I'm really into like psychology and human behavior, and yeah. So, so my next question is, since now that I know a little bit of the backstory, like, you know, I, I'm I'm like, who who does this? Who researches this? Who who goes around these bodies and all that type of stuff? Um, so with with you writing these initial ones about the crash test. You know, and then they, they wanted you to, you know, do a book. Like, were, were you nervous? Were you freaking out? Like, how, how was that when you knew that you were going to have to write an entire book on it? Um, was, I was, you mean freaking out about writing a book or freaking about, out about the bodies? The bodies. The book the bodies. I, I bet oh. you had under control. <laughs> no, I was. Wrong. Oh, I was yeah. freaked out about like, how the hell do I write a book? I don't know. Oh, oh really? There's. <laughs> Kind of no guidebook, you know. I've been writing short pieces, and then I sell this book, and I'm selling like, holy shit! Uh, oh, was that was that the first? Is that the first that one of all these? Oh, first book. so you were yeah. freaking out. I was. So I was. Yeah, and it's not. Mm, there's no kind of guideline, so I was just mm. like, well, it's going to be my weird self and see how that goes, you know? Yeah. Um. So the but the bodies. Um. I just th- I you know that I, I do remember like the first. One of the first places I went was the um, the College of Mortuary Science because they, interestingly enough, use cadavers to teach the students how to do embalming. Like, how do you raise the artery? How do you uh, how do you do it? So that was one of the first places I went, and the the guy had been already given an autopsy, so his whole body uh. cavity was like wide open, and his like guts are in a bag. And inside uh, it, it was like really red. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it did feel like that week. I kind of had like images in my head would pop into my head. And I was like, I don't know if this was a good idea. You know, it was, it, it did seem like maybe I stepped into something a little intense, but you, uh, or I, anyway, I think most people adjust pretty, kind of get used to mm. things quickly and like things very quickly become your new normal so um i think that one was that was kind of the weirdest experience the heads were pretty weird the heads and the um the plastic surgery training session that was because it's a whole room you know and they're all lined up oh wow. and it was this, just this really you know and the head because the hand is you know it's the face this is this is the person right there like mm-hmm. it's you can't kind of remove the person from the body when it's the face, you know, so, mm-hmm. and it's cut off. And that's like the most horrible thing you, you, you could do it in a, in a movie, like a horror movie is to yeah. cut or, oh, or yeah. like a, 
you know, terrorists to cut off someone's head mm-hmm. is the most brutal thing. So here's, you know, 30 heads <laughs> on tables in roasting pans. Yeah. Um, so that was initially weird, but not, and a couple of people who were taking the seminar did li- uh, leave. Uh, there's oh, really? Yeah, there were a couple, there was one or two people uh, who, who didn't stay. Oh, wow. Uh, but I, however, like after five minutes, I'm like, all right, this is, this is just interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. No, I, I, I got yeah. interesting. It wasn't, it was, yeah, it was, it, you got me interested in it, you know? And so I'm, I'm fortunate my girlfriend introduced me to your book. And, <laughs> and so here's, here's the, the next question I have. Uh, when I think of people who decide that they want a career in dead bodies, right? And yeah. you, it sounds like you, you interviewed a lot of people. You went to a lot of different, you know, places where they're yeah. testing and all that. Yeah. So I think that these are probably just the creepiest people on earth with, and I, I, that's probably some insane stereotype and I feel bad even saying it, but like, <laughs> do you think there's a misconception? Like what are, what are these people like? Are they just like normal people or did you have, do you have a certain psychological profile that you realize about people who enjoy doing this stuff? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, well, the people, a lot of the people in the book were people who occasionally had to work with bodies. So they weren't people like their body, they may be, um, researchers in the realm of automotive safety where, you know, they're not solely on a daily basis. They're doing, they're working with cadavers. So, mm-hmm. or they're doing, um, yeah, they're doing a project at the body farm for a couple of months. Like it's, it's, a, it's kind of one-off and, and those people are just normal, interesting for the most part. People, mm-hmm. the people who are a little bit, and I'm really don't have much to go on except the woman from the head lab. <laughs> you know, she was, she was kind of weird. I mean, I, I think I kind of took her by surprise, but, uh, she was, she was a little strange. Uh, I think that I didn't meet that many, uh, I think you call her, uh, she's a deaner, somebody who mm. preps the bodies. And so she's not, she's not working towards the, like the higher goal of the research project. So her thing is the body prep. So, mm. uh, and I didn't, you know, I didn't meet that many deaners. Um, so I can't really answer your question. I have a similar assumption to you that, that yeah. they're, um, well, well, I should say the other deaner I met, he was a guy, um, Ruhan, he's the, uh, this was, a, this was in the, um, cr- crash test, uh, where they were doing the shoulder impact mm-hmm. and he had come from Turkey and he was, had been a doctor in Turkey, but his medical license didn't work here. So. I mean, he didn't, it didn't, wasn't valid here. So it was a job he could get, you know? Mm. Um, so, but he, and he was lovely and funny. He was so, I, I don't think he can really make, um, that assumption and, and, uh, um, uh, morticians, that's another tough one. Like it, I, people have become morticians, you know, I think it used to be sort of like people are always going to die and you will always make a decent living. You don't, yeah. <laughs> Recession you know, I think it was like, yeah. And I remember one guy, I, I asked this one guy at the mortuary college, like, how did you decide that you wanted to do this? And he goes, well, I heard that if you're a mortician, you get to live in a free apartment upstairs from the embalming lab and upstairs from the mortuary. I'm like, okay. You know, kind of answered the question, but didn't really answer the question. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, but, um, and I think mort- morticians and undertakers, that field has changed a lot since the mm. book came out. Um, there's a lot of women going into the field and a lot of people sort of involved in the grief aspect and how to create a meaningful ceremony. So they're not so much into the body work as the, um, being there for the family. Mm. So that, and, and they're, I, they're not weird. There's, you know, they're not really Morticia Adams kind of weird. Yeah. I did, I did other than the, the, the lady whose name I, I didn't give her a full name because she was didn't like me <laughs> um other than her every, everybody everybody was great you know they they weren't noticeably weird yeah yeah no that, that's that's what i would assume and you know there's people and they just you know it's their job and and you mentioned like the guy who you know he's like hey i heard you get a free apartment some people that's that's all it takes <laughs> I right I, they're just yeah. like oh a paycheck a free apartment or a company car i'll do whatever and yeah and yeah there's um that uh youtuber she's also written some books too caitlin you caitlin probably, Doty. Yep, uh-huh. yep yeah yeah and like 
yeah, uh, I, I've yeah. seen her videos. I'm like, oh yeah, you seem pretty. You seem pretty, all right. She's, you know, she's awesome. Bit. She's great. We have the same publisher. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So yeah. that yeah, that's cool. Like, um, but since you mentioned that some stuff has changed, you know, since you originally wrote the book, yeah, you, you have an updated edition of the book coming yeah. out. So, um, what what has changed? What can we expect? Because I just read yeah. Stiff probably yeah. two or three months ago. So right, right. What, what am I in for? How, yeah. Uh, what's changed? Um, uh, let me see the things that are that, you know, in, in terms of anatomy, using cadavers to learn anatomy mm-hmm. uh, during COVID that oh. went totally computer. Like there's lots of, there's programs where you kind of move through the body on um, virtual cadavers and you can learn that way. And, really? and so a lot of these classes went to, um, to uh, heavily in that direction. And, and, you know, because it's cheaper, um, and easier to do that, it, that may, that may, some of them may keep doing that. So you may see fewer, I, I think you will. I think there, there were schools around the time Stiff came out that's, that quit using cadavers and tried to just use, you know, preserved parts or to use computer simulations and the, the board scores went down for mm. what thing. people didn't do as well. And also they, uh, students really felt like they were being cheated. Like, it's like, this is a rite of passage. Oh, to be around the bodies and stuff. It's like a tradition, gross anatomy. It's your first patient. I'm using air quotes here that you can't see uh, if you're listening, but, um, that, you know, it was, it's kind of your first exposure to death, your first exposure to a patient on a table. Um, they felt like, um, so now there's kind of a mix. So look, you know, there's, there's a shorter um, cadaver section maybe, and, uh, combined with some virtual learning. So that's new. Uh, there's some interesting stuff in the realm of, uh, crash testing. Um, we think about, um, driver, driverless cars, autom- you know, autom- automated cars. Yeah. Like with, Tesla's with and all that. Yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the idea being, you don't have to sit here facing holding the steering wheel you could kind of lie down you could be sitting facing each other etc and to the people in automotive safety they was like they're like how do we make that safe where's the airbag go where does the seatbelt go what happened mm. crash if you're lying down if you're sitting sideways so it's a whole mess of safety research that has to be carried out and um they're they're divide trying to get to devise new crash test dummies for different positions so anytime you you create a new crash test dummy you gotta hire a bunch of cadavers yeah. to come in to calibrate the dummy so that's going on um uh there's some changes in the world of um organ donation mm-hmm. uh, their organ transplantation um they're able to uh, keep the you can kind of expand the circle for which you know you take the body that you took it from can now travel a lot further because they have portable perfusion machines. Oh, okay. This is like putting on an ice chest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like going as fast as you can to get to the other hospital. Now you can actually keep it viable longer. So that's, that's good news. Um, so that's going on. Um, some something consent Consent is a lot specific now and a lot more attention to, um, like, are you going to use this body in a virtual program? Well, you better get permission because not everybody wants their dead remains on the internet, you know? Mm. So, um, a lot more caution and, and specificity in the donor forms, you know, the consent forms. Mm. So those yeah. are things now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, I, I, re- that, you know, I remember just the other day, there was that big story about, uh, An- the Anthony Bourdain documentary and they did like an AI version of his yeah. voice. So now I can only uh-huh. imagine, you know, your body being yeah. preserved and just, yeah, it's, it's interesting how technology has made us have to rethink the ethics and all that. Exactly. So yeah. something I've been curious about since you told me a new version was coming out, um, has, has there been, you know, since this book came out in 2003, uh-huh. Yeah. So have, have there been updates to, you know, or big changes in like toxicology or researching cause of death? Like I would hope that, you know, in the last 18 or so years, like we can really pin down the cause of death or, you know, whatever it is. Is there anything like that? Or have you researched that at all? Well, um, I, I haven't heard, uh, uh, specific, I mean, a toxicology, 
Um, I don't, cadavers wouldn't necessarily, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know specifically. I know I talked to people about body farms. One thing that, that's yeah. happened, there's a lot more body farms. There's like five more. They're like Starbucks now. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're yeah. in different you know, climates. You know, there's in the Southwest, there's up in, you know, the, the Northeast. They're, they're, I mean, they're, there's every different environment has a body farm now. So, which it makes sense because it, yeah, the climate influences how quickly the body decays. So there's been a, there's a bunch more of those, but one thing that they've been studying um, in these uh, facilities, they've been looking at uh, bones and how long you know, you know what's the decay process on on bones, and also this was interesting. They they did something on because um, you know you can do iris, you can identify people through their mm. iris. Like you know, a fingerprint and, uh, almost. Yeah, like, exactly. And there was, the thinking had been, oh, you, you know, the eyes <clears throat> decompose quickly. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, eyes do decompose quickly. So you only have a few hours. But in fact, you have a, a long, <laughs> longer period than you thought. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's something else that I, I just learned about is this thing called body farms. And I'm I'm wondering how many of the... The listeners out there have no idea what a body farm is. I was actually introduced to it on TikTok. There was somebody out there who was talking about them. So, uh, yeah, and your and your book, you know, covers them and why they do uh, have them and everything. Sure. So, can you can you give a little a little yeah. bit about what they are, why they exist, and all that good stuff? Sure. Yeah. Um, a body farm is a place where uh, researchers study the timeline of decomposition of a body. Um, like the, what happens over time, and the reason they do this, it's for it's for police forensics, uh, because uh, you want to be able when you find a body, you want to be able to look at it and know, okay, it's been lying here for approximately four weeks. Mm-hmm. That can give you the time of death. So that now you know, like say you, you have a suspect, you can sort of you know, like figure out, you know, where was this person in the area, you know. It, it helps you determine sort of who might have been responsible um, mm. and just gives you a better sense of when the crime was committed. So, and it, it you know, because it depends on, uh, it, it, and it, it's difficult to study because it depends on how humid is it, how was the body buried in sand, was it buried in dirt, was it in the trunk of a car or the mm. back seat of a car, was it naked or clothed? And they've tested all of these specific things that I just mentioned at the body farm. Like they'll have a dude wearing a Harvard sweatshirt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the day I was there, uh, they were doing a closed versus naked study, you know, b- uh, bodies in water, uh, decompose in, at different rates. They, they, so there's all kinds of things to study so that when, when, it, when you as a police detective come upon a dead body, you can start to understand, um, what happened, how long has it been here, etc. So um, that's what they that's what they do, and that and that's why there's there's they've put them in all these different climates because mm. the, the 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 time it takes to decay could vary from you know the whole process you know in a matter of days weeks and then in a really dry climate you have sort of mummification and it could be years and they you know they mm-hmm. used to be way off they'd like find a body <laughs> this body is is hundreds of years old well it's, now it's just very dry and it, it hasn't been that long and so. Um, there was a realization that in order to effectively solve crime, you had to better understand uh, the process of decomposition. Yeah, yeah. And and speaking of dry, so I, I live out here in Las Vegas, Nevada, the lovely desert, and it's dry. And I immediately, when I hear body farms, I immediately think of like, what would that even smell like and you you <laughs> describe some of the smells but you know I'm, I'm reading it and i'm trying to imagine it so you know uh kind of a layered question like we probably spend an hour just talking about the smells but yeah what what was it especially like at a body farm right like how yeah, right. how do people deal with that do you have to wear like a a, a mask do you have to like show <laughs> up your nostrils how are there people throwing up i have so many questions about this like <laughs> what is that like well um the original body farm is down in Tennessee and it's right behind the medical center mm-hmm. and it's right off the parking lot to the medical center. It's behind a fence. It's like an acre of land. And, um, in the, on a hot day, 
you can smell something a little funky when you get uh, out of your car, but it's not until you really get much closer to the bodies that you would smell anything. Um, it, and it is a smell that will linger in like, if you wore a pair of, like I wore this pair of boots, kind of work boots that I really liked. Oh. And um, I, when I came home, because you're walking around and if their bodies are decomposing, um, they, they kind of huddle in the forest oh. of the soil around them as a lot of decomposition material. So those boots, you know, I soaked them in Clorox. I, I tried anything I could and I just mm. had to throw away. Yeah, you can't get the smell out. The car we drove in, three of us, we just reeked. It's that sort of cloying, weirdly, almost sweet smell. And we went to lunch afterwards and they're like, you're sitting outside. Oh, wow. And, yeah. um, yeah, it, it just, it's, it's a hard smell to describe, but it's, it's one you don't forget. Yeah. That's the, I, I, I can't even imagine. I think of a field in like, so, okay, here's a, here's another gross question. Like. It, when you go to that field, like, did they have a body in one spot or is it very sectioned off? Like, like, did you step in a, a place where someone's puddle might've been before <laughs> well, that? Yeah, yes. Um, I mean, they, they put the, it's, it's, it's like a very pretty little pe parkland, you know, it's got sycamore trees and squirrels and it's, it's very, I mean, like you walk in and you think, oh, this is kind of lovely. And you'd see someone lying down. And they're just lying on the ground. So you think, oh, there's somebody taking a nap. But he's like, weirdly still. They're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh, he's not napping. Um, so they're, you know, they put them, depending on what they're studying, they may be studying sun versus shade, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but they're not, they're not like laid out in rows, like a, like a bean farm or a corn farm. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not, because the word farm makes you kind of picture bodies in rows, but they're not like that. They're. They're just placed out there. And sometimes there'll be some, um, like screening over them because mm. scavengers, animals can get oh, yeah. with the bodies. So that's, that's a concern. I mean, it's all fenced off. So, you know, hopefully there, there's not, um, uh, coyotes or foxes getting in, but I, I think they have had some issues. So, um, oh. yeah, so it, it, it's, a it's, there's a section where they're doing looking more at skeletal remains mm. and there there's another like when i was there there were bodies that were in the active maggot things <laughs> so yeah. yeah you are and you are walking there there you know you walk right up to them i mean that because they were the researcher was telling me like you know if you put your ear really close you can hear the maggots feeding. i'm like oh wow cool but that if you put your ear close your nose is also very close yeah <laughs> fairly intense sensory experience see what when, when you say that i go back to earlier in this conversation where i'm like are these people like kind of weird or what we imagine and just thinking like hey put your ear up to this and listen to a maggot <laughs> eating a, a running cords i'm like that seems a little hmm. it does but, it does i know it does but but it's just super interesting you know the guy the guy who was showing me around he didn't work at the body farm he worked at oak ridge labs and he was working on a, a ballistics project like um looking at you know, when the body breaks down, the compounds, the, the chemical compounds that mm. are formed sometimes make it, they eat away the surface of the bullet. So it's harder to identify what kind, oh. what kind of gun it came from. So he was, you know, if you studying that, so yeah, not by shooting, he had to place the bullets. It wasn't, he didn't go up and shoot. What do you, wait, so he like, how, what do you mean place he the bullets? Stuck, to... Yeah, no, like, you know, cut a hole and stick it in. He wasn't allowed to shoot. With the bodies, because mm. that seems kind of brutal. Yeah. Even though, even though they're dead, the bodies don't care. But um, so, but yeah, he was a ballistics guy. He was a um, like a um, not at all. He wasn't a bioengineer. He wasn't an anatomist. It was a project he was working on, and he happened to need bodies. So mm. um, he was not at all weird. He yeah. Worker, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, like a that... kind of a regular guy. Yeah. That. Uh, with, with, with this stuff too, I can't help but think like, so you, you've, you know, you've seen like the heads in the lab and like these bodies decomposing and, and all of that. And, and you, you've written so much and you love to research and you're a curious person. And so you've become well-versed in a bunch of things. 
And like me, like when I'm watching TV and movies and if I know something, I'm always like just pointing out all the mistakes. Like, is there anything that you see as like a TV or movie trope when they're showing like bodies that you're just like, that's no, that's not what it's like. You know, like after like writing this book yeah. and, and stuff, like what, what, what is it? What should I look out for? Um, you know what? Uh, uh, I hear all the time from people who work and I have a friend who's a medical examiner and, um, she's, you know, in the city where I live, she's, she's and it's very underfunded, it's underfunded her lab. Like they never have the equipment that they need. They have old tables. So she watches those shows like bones where they've got uh, like this, you know, where they, they've got this, what is that even called? Where there's like a plexiglass screen that's hovering and you just sort of zoom out and zoom in. And you, oh, yeah. You know, like, like that kind of stuff. She's like, are you kidding me? We can't even find enough gloves, you know? Um, yeah. So that kind of, um, and also with forensics, you, you do hear a lot like, um, you know, on TV, it's like we found this one friend. Therefore, we know we can pin it to it's, it's, it's just not a very conclusive science. It, it, the way it's, you know, the way it's portrayed on TV, you know, like we found this and now we're solved the crime. It's, it's a lot more ambiguous and a lot tougher uh, mm -hmm. to do that. Um, but as for the bodies themselves, I'm trying to think, you know, I, you know um, I sometimes like, if you see somebody being strangled on TV. Mm -hmm. It's much quicker than it would. I mean, they, they, they die like in five seconds. Like it would take more time than that. Yeah. But nobody wants to see, you know, 50 seconds of it. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they do like, like a really intense. Like, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. You didn't have to do that very wrong at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but not so much. I guess I haven't seen any real autopsies or on screen or I've never, I haven't seen the body fart portrayed on. On, on TV, mm. I'm sure it has been all over Vice and all kinds of places, but, um, yeah. um, or, or medical labs. Um, I, you know, that a lot of the stuff that I re reported on for the book is a little bit behind the scenes. Yeah. I guess there's not really any call for somebody to be filming in a, on a crash sled, say. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with, with all this stuff too, and you know, like I, I only recently got into, uh, like spooky movies. I think it's helped me fight, uh, like overcome some of my fears, but I'm curious, like, I, I don't know if you, you had any experience or, or people who worked there or whatever, like, but you also talk about stuff in the book, like cannibalism and spiritual practices around what they do with dead bodies and everything like that. Do you see more modern versions of that like we know it's happened like throughout history where people like you have like what was it called medicinal cannibalism yes medicinal cannibalism yes so let's let's actually focus on that because i was rereading some sections right before like before we had this call and i was like yeah. oh yeah this part so let's think of medicinal can cannibalism real quick and can you can you kind of explain what that is what the beliefs are around that and like is this something that's still being practiced or do you know? Yeah, not that I know. Medicinal can't my, my um my main source for medicinal cannibalism, and this is you know this is all historical stuff. It's the was the Chinese Materia Medica, uh, and that's um, mostly animal and plant. But mm. there were there was a section on, and I, yeah, I haven't read this chapter in a long time. But there was a section on human parts, and there were also um you know there were some instances of of cannibalism that were more for survival, not any that I mentioned, but medicinally, yeah, the one that came, the, 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 the really kind of shockingly gross one was um, mellified man, which was a person steeped in honey. In yeah, a, yep, that's the part I read. Sarcophagus <laughs> for, I forget how long until they become just kind of, I picture you almost like a, one of those baklava, kind of super sweet honey gooey things and that was supposed to be medicinal and it i forget because i haven't looked at my own book in a while what that was supposed to be used for but it, but i i really couldn't find other references to that other than the chinese materia medica so uh who knows how whether that was really really done because the, the person who was going to become the medicine would basically just eat 
honey. Yeah. And then, and then die and then become this sickly, sweet, gooey confectionery mess. <laughs> yeah. So I, and I, so other, that, I don't know how reliable a source that is the material medica. It's very, you know, this, this is, we're going back centuries. Um, the only, you know, there's some, some cultural mm. cannibalism that you hear about. Um, that, and I keep, I am not an anthropologist. I haven't studied the, you know, the Agori in India are, are said to, as a ritual, partake of, um, people in their own circle. Not, they're not killing anybody. It's not like the old trope of the, you know, yeah. the cannibal, the, the giant pot with the explorer being stirred. Yeah. <laughs> with <laughs> the giant Yeah. Um, not like that. Um. But medicinal cannibalism, yeah, I think I, I looked at um, people, um, oh, it was aborted fetus. There was some belief that there was, a, that, that there was medicinal value in that. Um, and, but, yeah, I didn't keep up with this subject, and I haven't stumbled onto any um, information about it, so I can't really answer that question. Um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, hopefully I, not. I, yeah, doubt that any new markets have sprung up. I just don't yeah, know. and I, I believe I, yeah. I believe in the book. Correct me if you if I'm wrong, but you covered the story. I think it was the story uh, from what was it 10, 20 years ago in Germany where they met up online and then the guy agreed to let somebody else eat him. Is that in still? Oh, no, I don't think so. That must be another weird, creepy book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read too many books, but yeah, but it was it was this idea of you know absorbing you know his power. But yeah, they agreed to it. It was consensual. No. It's, a, it's a conversation that uh, that always comes up in books when it's you know about ethics and stuff like that. Which is something I want to talk about because you talk about that with oh, like what happens yeah. after dead bodies. But uh, but oh, they, I didn't hear about the German dudes. Oh, did what? He, no. Okay. Did he do it? Did he do it? Did he eat the guy? Okay. Okay. What? Okay. We have plenty of time. So I'm going to give you a okay. quick breakdown. How have, you not, how have you not heard about this? You need to go back and update this new version that's coming up. I know. So this was, I think maybe nineties, uh, early two thousands, but I believe it was in Germany, but there was this dark uh, message board where people, they were really into like, just kind of like that, those sick twisted really? stories and they'd write them and, you know, and like, Oh, yeah. I want to, you know, and, and just kind of that fetish fantasy stuff. But yeah, this guy said, I want to eat a human being. I want to eat somebody. I want to absorb them and all this other stuff. And somebody came back to him and he was serious about it. And he had the guy, you know, write a letter saying, yes, you can kill me and eat me and all these other things. So and kill I him too, not just eat him, kill him. Yeah, but it, the killing part, let me explain the killing part because it's kind of a brutal, weird, weird death. Uh, they started out with uh, the genitalia and the guy bled out basically in a bathtub. Uh, but oh my God. Yeah, but it was completely consensual. So there was this, there's often, you wow. know, I read a lot of philosophy books and stuff like that. And, and there's this conversation around like ethics and consent and like, is this, you know, if I say you can do this and, but yeah, anyways, uh, I, I, I want to say it was Germany, uh, but yeah, the guy's in jail. Right. Even though they had yeah. all the documentation of this guy. And I think he even had a videotape of him. But yeah, that sounds like a story wow. you'd, you'd be That's kind of like the, um, there's people who believe, and there's a name for these people, I'm forgetting it, but they feel that they should be incomplete. Like they, they, they want to be amputees. Mm. They want to have their leg removed. And there, there was a case, and again, I, I, I kind of want to say Germany too, <laughs> but I don't know if it was Germany. But anyway, uh, there was a, a doctor who agreed to do it and that the doctor got in trouble, even though mm. the guy had requested it, given consent, um, a little less extreme than killing him, but, um, and he got in trouble. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I actually found it. So yeah, it was, it was in 2001. So it was a little bit before you wrote oh. this book. Armin, Armin you. So I'll, I'll shoot you a DM with the, the spelling. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's an. It's, I, I don't even know if I like the word interesting from a, from a philosophical kind of ethical standpoint. I'm like, that is kind of interesting. Well, it is, uh, the ethics of it are really interesting. I mean, if you, I mean, you own your own body, it, it's kind of like, you know, and people laws that make it illegal to kill yourself to me are kind mm, of right? like, <laughs> it is your body, you know, like, like, well, it's not, well, it's, 
you know, is it illegal? The Catholic Church, it's it, it's a sin, a but it's sin, not. Yeah. Is it illegal? It's not illegal. It's illegal to help someone else do it. Yeah, that is a whole you know ethical uh, quandary. You know, uh, what do you do with the doctor who, um, mm-hmm. from a humanitarian perspective, to to relieve suffering and grief to end a life that's illegal? Unless yeah. you live in what Oregon? I don't know. Assisted yeah. suicide is, is a, it, 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 you know, and there's all things that have to be terminal within a certain number of months. But yeah, but what, but that whole idea of uh, um, not being able to control the fate of your own body is kind of interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, the guy who agreed to it, we can sort of assume he may, well, not assume, but we can wonder, was he in his right mind? Mm-hmm. And and that's the interesting thing because it, it was over the course of time, right? So they like interacted and corresponded. Yes. You know what I mean? So right. it wasn't like a, for example, like a bipolar yeah. episode, unless it was like right. a yeah, very yeah, long yeah. place sure. of like mania. And, and yeah, yeah I, 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 it comes up a lot in, you know, uh, books on like moral philosophy. And I don't know if you're familiar sure. with Jonathan Haidt and he talks about moral dumbfounding where there's things where we're just, we find grosser, morally, you know, just yeah. awful, but we can't really explain why sure. it, it's it's one of those weird things and i and i guess oh and this is terrible to even say on a podcast where people are going to listen but i'm a vegetarian right so i'm just like i i don't eat animals and i'm just sitting yeah. here like you know what's the difference between like a chicken cat dog you know i just see them all as kind of animals so i think right. about that too i'm like well you know somebody said hey you know eat me i, I don't know but that's yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's a whole different no, thing I, yeah no i know yeah like i think when i proposed the book i was like medicinal cannibalism you know i don't know what i'm gonna find but I mean, if I do find something, it's like if somebody says, you want to bite? I'd be like, I probably would. Yeah, right. For the book, I'd have to try it. And then there's nothing. <laughs> That's commitment. I love it. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I think I might second guess myself also just because um, mm-hmm. it has, like you said, such a powerful taboo and such a, um, it just would be probably smarter to leave it alone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love learning about just like evolutionary psychology and like, you know, we, we should have that gut reaction because if we didn't, sure. that might be a little bit of an issue for like, right, oh, right. I got a taste for this. Yeah. But I think about like, wasn't there, there was a plane crash in the Andes. I was just thinking of, yep. And, and, and people condemned what they had done. They, they were trying to survive. And these people, mm-hmm. had, the other people had died, they didn't kill them. They had died and, and they, you know, they were treated with such contempt and scorn. And, and mm-hmm. I, it was just kind of amazing to me. It's like, it's, it's protein people. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's kind of why, uh, that's, that's not the reason why I got interested in just kind of like moral philosophy and all that stuff. But, you know, there's a lot of moral judgments and, you know, I'm yeah, sure yeah, like yeah. just from yeah. all the books you've written and you just see different cultures and everything like that. And yeah. a lot of people don't, you know, like I've never been stranded in the, you know, after a plane crash and trying yeah. to figure out whether to decide to eat somebody or not, or, you know, it's, right. it's, it's really weird, but, um, yeah, yes. I mean, it's, it's obviously not something people would be keen to do, but yeah. I mean, if it's a matter of survival, uh, I think, you know, I mean, it would not probably not be easy to do, but of course you do it. Why wouldn't you? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It seems more nuts not to. Yeah, if I, was with, if, I if I was with my family, I'll tell you right now, Mary, I, I, before I died, I'd be like, hey, you guys have my permission my blessing, you know, whatever. Yeah, right. don't, don't feel bad, but you guys survive and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um. But when, when thinking about this, I mean, you know, and like the judging and all this and, and just, you know, I, I'm sure you noticed this, you know, while writing this book, there's a lot of fear around death. And I think some of that comes into play too, with, when we think about the morality of all these things and the epics and, you know, with so much fear around the subject, I'm curious your experience writing the book, did it? Has it shifted like how you've viewed the experience of death, like since before and after and over the years and, you know, this updated version, like, you know, I, I'm really wondering about that aspect. I, I still really could rather not die. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still not looking, but I've never been the, the kind of person that has this existential, I'm not going to be here. You know, that, that like this sense of like, mm. like on death is it for me, it's much more, I don't, 
I fear all the stuff that happens as a prelude to death, like pain, senility, uh, mm. uh, decrepitude, uh, all of the, all of the old age, it's advanced old age to me seems like something to fear more than by the time you get to, to death, you're like, please bring it on. You know? Yeah. And that goes back to that Not whole assisted suicide thing, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but it's funny with, you know, cadavers are, uh, people have a, they're, they're, uh, they're things, but they're also, you know, they're not people, but they look like people and mm -hmm. people uh, and living people have a real discomfort with the idea of you know, like doing something like their people are fine with surgery. They're okay. This person needs a tumor removed. We're going to cut it open and we're going to muck around in there. And we're going to take it out. That's called medicine. Mm -hmm. But if you do that to take out a heart, to give to someone else to save their life, or then to go, I'm sanctioning the, the mutilation of my loved one. It's like, no, mm. it's surgery. You have a word for it. It's surgery. You're <laughs> bad and that says, it's not, you're not mutilating them. You're saving a life through surgery after the dead. But it is such a, you know, the media can really take advantage of that. Like anything mm. that you do with cadavers, like, you know, so there'll be news reports like, oh my God, they had stacked bodies in the corner of the freezer. It's like, well, okay, how would you store them? Right. You know, what? like you can also hang them by the holes in their ears, you know, mm -hmm. it's always like, but they, if you want to make it sensational and you want to get viewers riled up just describe the most benign things that are done with cadavers and you know in the world of research and teaching and you yeah. know it's all, it's it's all fine stuff but it sounds far to earth you know just sounds disrespectful but mm -hmm. uh, you know anyway so some but yeah cadavers ha um exist in a weird pocket of ethics mm -hmm. and uh they're not people, but people forget. Yeah, that. I, it's it's uh, you know a conversation I was having the other day. I, I was talking with uh, Bruce Hood. He wrote a book called Super Sense and about the psychology behind why we believe in the supernatural. And I became interested in this kind of essentialism, right? We believe like there's this essence or the you know the separation of the body and the soul and yeah and how we hold these things sacred and all that. And it's interesting that you bring that up because. Yeah, I'm constantly asking, like, why? Why is this so sacred? And even with organ transplants, you know, um, some people are worried. Like, like if, if you know, if you ask somebody, if you needed a new heart, but it came from a serial killer, would you take it, right? So, and, yeah, that, yeah. and that kind of belief that, no, the evil would transfer over with the heart. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. you know, when we're talking about stacking dead bodies and things, it's just like that weird kind of gut reaction. Like it feels wrong, but I can't explain. Like you said, like oh, yeah, how, how else would you put right. it up? And there's people. I mean, in the early days of, uh, and this is this certainly happens with organ transplantation too. But even in the early days of blood transfusion, people would be like, like a oh, man would yeah. be like, I don't want a woman's blood. You know, <laughs> or, or, or blood from someone of a different race. You go like, oh, you can't do that. You know, they like there's this sense of like it's going to change you somehow. Like people believed, yeah, you would take on the qualities of that former person, which you, of course you, you don't. But I mean, and, and they and I reported in the book on, on a study where they actually looked at um, they talked to people who believed they had taken on these attributes of the donor, and then yeah. they found out who the donor was, and they're like, mm, actually, not not right. Yeah, um, that's not who the person was, what race they were, what sex they were. So, uh, but it's but but it is yeah, it's hard to uh, separate the person from the. Yeah, home. yeah. There's actually an in interesting docu series. I, I I enjoy you know watching things where people believe in the supernatural and all that kind of stuff because I like to think I'm all scientifically minded and all that, even though I have my own weird quirks. But anyways, there's a Netflix docu series. Uh, or is it called Life After Death? But there's a uh, a young boy where the parents believe that he is the reincarnation of uh -huh. this other guy who died and he has his, you know, attributes and all these other right. things. And it's interesting. So if you're looking for something like that, that's another. Yeah. I, co I covered that in my second oh. book. Oh, oh, did you? Yeah. I had a chapter. I went to India um, uh, with a reincarnation. Somebody who investigates alleged cases of reincarnation and they, and they're interesting because they're like, they're just, 
small villages. Uh, and they're, they're not, it's not like here where, you know, I am Napoleon incarnated or what, you know, people have this, these sort of, they're often kings and queens who are reincarnated over and over again, weirdly. Um, but there it's just sort of like, um, if a child starts saying names that don't really make sense here, we think, okay, it's an imaginary friend. But there they'll go like, whoa, he's talking about people from past life. And, and then they'll sort of ask around who died around the time this boy was born. And then they start like looking for similarities and often they're quite gentle, like a house has four walls. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're often not terribly shocking in similarities, but, uh, but it, but it was really interesting just the way it, it kind of brought these two families together in yeah. this wonderful way. They became relatives in a sense and would somehow sort of support each other. And, um, and that, and because they, you know, that, believed that this, you know, as it was with this family where this man who'd lost his grown son meets this little boy and believes that the boy is his son reincarnated. And it was very sweet. You know, he, he mm. took a lot of comfort from that. Um, yeah. So, and it is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And again, even though, you know, I, I like looking at these things and kind of like, oh, debunking and all these I mean, yeah. things. And like, I, I see, you know, I, I come from like a mental health background and mental health is a huge thing for me. I'm like, no, I can see all the comforts and everything. I'm like, hey, believe yep. all this. But I'm so glad that you mentioned spook because I was like, wait a second, could have sworn I was reading that too. And it was in my cart. So I, as soon as we hang up, I'm getting spooked because oh, I cool. love that. I love that oh, stuff. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. It was so interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like you. I'm kind of, you know, I'm this, the rational scientist. Like, you know, well, let's apply critical thought here. Yeah. But then, you know, when I'm sitting there with these two families, I'm like, I don't want to be the, the douche who's like, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's like, obviously, they're, they're deriving comfort and joy from this experience. So who yeah, wants to be the party pooper who says, I I by your eminence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Early earlier today, you and I we were talking about you know like science writing and all that and stuff. And sometimes you know because I like to explain things, and I, I really enjoy taking like kind of complicated or sciencey topics and yeah, you know, explaining them and stuff like that. But sometimes it feels like such a buzzkill, exactly. right? And it's I know. just you know, I know. And it's explaining yeah. it, but so yeah, I know. know. And it's like even also you know I, I get frustrated sometimes when when people embrace um, therapies or supplements that they're, you know, there's just not good evidence. There's no mm -hmm. controlled double blind study. There's nothing to really show that this works, but, but it's often these things are taken by someone who doesn't have a, there's not an obvious effective treatment. So if they believe in it and they're feeling like it's working, who's the, who's going to be the asshole? I would be the asshole who's like, yeah. that, there's no good studies, controlled studies for that. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Because the placebo effect is awesome. And, yeah. and, and I don't want to interfere with that. Yeah, you know? no, ab absolutely. Give me yeah. placebos all day. I don't got to exactly. worry about the side effects and all that. Like yeah. sometimes I'm like, maybe I don't want to know everything about, you know, the research behind this medication because maybe I'll get a nice little placebo or whatever. Exactly. I know. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, I only have you for a little bit longer and I, I've been dying to ask you this. Oh. Uh, yep. So since the book, and we were talking about, you know, like, has it helped, you know, you cope or anything like that? You just, you you have, you know, your own views on, you know, the aging and all that. But I'm curious about, you know, with this book taking off and the people it's reached, you know, I'm, I'm curious what, what it's helped people with, or has it attracted weird kind of gothic death loving people or, you know. I'm curious yeah. about that aspect because I, sure. I read your book and I'm like, well, well, you know, now that I understand the process a little bit more, I'm, you know, a little bit more comfortable, but I'm curious if other people have had that experience or if you get a bunch of strange people coming to I, you who love this book. I, 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 I don't get a lot of strange people, but, but I, and when I wrote the book, I was, I was concerned that, um, it might be disturbing for somebody who had just lost someone. Mm. Or, but, and, but, and so what was really gratifying to me is that I've heard over the years from a fair number of people that the book made them more accepting of what had happened to someone. And it, had, it, it was helped them kind of process death because it, it kind of presents death as just another part of life. You know, this is mm -hmm. what happens and it's, happens to all of us and 
Uh, you could do some interesting things after your death, um, which, you know, it has also for people to realize that they can donate their loved ones and, and some, some good uses can come mm-hmm. from it, um, whether it's organs or for research, um, that that's been comforting to some people to, to, to take something positive from something, an otherwise really negative experience. So I've mm-hmm. gotten some really nice feedback from people who've lost to the family members, uh, and that's been great. Um, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I think there, I may have some fans in the fringes of <laughs> <laughs> the goth, faulty, I don't know, Satanist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I get curious. I'm like, does Millie website go to a, like a, a Halloween shop and people just flock to her because, you know, they're all this. this I, did notice, I did notice yesterday that a Satanist followed me on Twitter. So okay, I, I don't really keep track, but um, it, it's a it's all over the map, you know. In the book, when we're about to uh, launch the book, the people who are designing the cover, you know, when you design a cover, you're kind of thinking about the demographics. Mm. Um, who's going to buy this book? Is it is it young people? Is it you know business people? Is it men? Is it women? That everybody, including me, is like, I don't know, no idea who's going to buy this book. So yeah. it's a very you know the cover's pretty neutral. It doesn't appeal to a certain age or certain gender, uh, it, it, because it is really all over the map. Um, mm-hmm. I can't really say what, they, I, but I mean, I, the one thing everybody has in common is that they're going to end up with cadavers. So I think it has, in that sense, a universal appeal, a yeah. fascination, I should say, not necessarily an appeal, but a. It, it taps into that fascination that we all have because we know we're going there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it brings well, us together in a weird way. It's going to happen. Yeah, to, yeah to all exactly. Of us. It, it's going to happen, and you know, you're you're not alone in this, and it happens the same to all of us. And, and so, I guess in that sense, it, it's comfort to people. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, I, I, I forgot which philosopher it was, but something that just like, I that's kind of snapped me out of it to quit worrying. Because when I turned 35, okay, so I'm going to get a little, I'm going to let you know a little bit about me. When I turned 35 years old last year, I'm 36 now, just have my birthday. Like when I turned 35, I'm like, I am just so old and I'm going to be dead in like five minutes. You know, <laughs> like I just thought that. But anyways, like, uh, one, of the, one of the philosophers, they were talking about how like, hey, you weren't worried about where you were before you were born. Why are you worried See, that's about? The thing. And I, when I thought about that, I'm like, huh. Like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes yeah. sense, you know? So, so yeah, that that's how yeah. people just learning about the process. And, you that's know, exactly. That. When I wrote Spook, people would say, um, Never really didn't want to know. Well, now that you wrote this book, you must know. <laughs> but they'd be like, Where do you think where do you think we go after we're dead? And I'm like, I think we go to the place that we were for that eons and eons that uh, the place we were before we were born. We all yeah. been there. You've been there a very long time. You're very yeah. familiar with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll it'll be like returning so home. That's kind of where I think uh you, you go. So yeah. and that is kind of weirdly comforting, like and and also I think like you sleep for eight hours a night, you are gone. Oh yeah, you, you, you might as well be dead for all you know. So you're doing it every day. How scary gonna be? Yeah, let me tell you, <laughs> Mary. I love the way you think. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and before I let you go, I'd be remiss because I I like I said I I like to write and take these complex subjects, and you've been doing this for years. So what? What is, if you can give me one little tip, trick, whatever, for science writing, communicating science, what would it be? Is it the research? Is it the way you write it? Well, give me some gold. For, for myself, um, the writing completely depends on how, on how well the research went. So if you, so what I tell people when I talk to classes, which isn't that often, because I don't have a lot to say. I mean, <laughs> I have a lot of bad habits. I don't want people to pick up. But I, 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 I just, um, I can't emphasize enough, just like, you know, keep pushing to find something that's fresh, interesting, colorful, just something that would be interesting for people to read. And then use that as the framework to put in the explanations and the science and the facts. Mm. Uh, if you want a book that will appeal to a broad spectrum of people who don't necessarily think they're interested in science, mm. you know, it's all about that, that finding the stories and the people. And that takes time. No, it, it, uh, you, you got, there are a lot of dead ends, you know, you contact someone and they're not doing anything interesting. You thought they were, but they're not. Yeah. Well, it's not, or it's interesting, but it's not really 
a scene that you can describe. And so, um, you know, that's, uh, that's an important part of it. The, uh, just the setup. I spend so much time just mm. like sending emails to strangers and going, Hey, what are you going to be? What are you up to? Yeah. Be like, can I come along? That's really cool. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's, Hey, I'll take it. That's awesome. So, so let everybody know before I let you go, where, where can they find you? I found you on Twitter, but I don't know if there's other places to access you better or anything like that. Where can we find you? And do we have like a date for when this new version oh, yeah. of stiff is coming out uh, with all yeah, the new it's stuff? It's got a really pretty new cover. Uh, uh, it comes out, uh, the, I think the end of August is the new release of stuff. And then I have a, a book coming out in September, which is a new book. Wow. But I'm on, and I'm um, on, yeah, Twitter is a good place to find me. Um, the books are in, the, book, the books are in all the places that you can buy books. Yeah. Independent mm-hmm. bookstores. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do audio versions, so that's where I find them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Real, real quick yeah. too, because I haven't really gone in there, but tell me and tell everybody out there about what, what's this new book that's coming out? Oh, the new book is called Fuzz, When Nature Breaks the Law. So it's all about people and wildlife getting in each other's way, and nuisance animals, and what do you do about them? Like, how, how can science kind of figure out better solutions rather than just killing them all? So there's, uh, so I, you know, I start with like the felony crimes, murder, and manslaughter, grand theft, sunflower seed. And then the second half of the book is, you know, your misdemeanors, your trespassing, vandalism, jaywalking. Yeah. Uh, those things that, um, animals also do. So a lot of travel, uh, a lot of bopping around interesting places and hanging out with people and animals. That's that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I saw the title. I was like, what's this about? Do I want to read this? And you've, you've sold me. So maybe you will <laughs> be back here talking about fuzz, sure. but, but Mary, thank you so much for spending some time here and talking with me about dead bodies. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and yeah, we'll probably be talking again soon. I would love that. Thank you so much, Chris. It was really fun. All right, everybody, that was my conversation with Mary Roach, and I hope you enjoyed it. I know there's a lot of you out there uh, who are into this kind of stuff. I only recently got into like horror movies and all that. I'm still, you know, uh, learning about, you know, what happens to cadavers and all that. But yeah, if you haven't read the book yet, make sure you grab this new updated expanded edition of the book it will be linked down below along with uh mary's twitter so make sure you're following her so uh yeah you know when her new book fuzz comes out and all the updates and yeah and yeah she's she does a lot of different stuff too so make sure you're following her over on twitter but yeah huge thank you i i when i was editing this episode since we recorded it weeks ago i was like man that was such a fun conversation i never thought i would say fun conversation around one that's you know uh, uh on such a morbid <laughs> topic but she definitely made me interested in in learning more so huge thanks to mary all right but yeah make sure down in the description below you're following me over on instagram and twitter at the rewired soul and if you're not yet and you are a youtube type person i am going to be uploading more content over there uh, i have quite a few projects that i'm going to be working on so so yeah some of it will be on youtube but make sure to follow me on instagram and twitter i'll be keeping you updated over there all right but yeah so if you're new to the podcast make sure you're following or subscribed and if you want a free way 1000 percent free way to help support the podcast go over to apple leave a rating leave a review on the apple podcast app or on the i think i think you might be able to do it on the apple podcast website but anyways that helps a lot when you leave a rating and review and not only does it help with the algorithms but it helps me you know see what you guys like what you don't like and all that stuff and another great way to support the podcast for free is to share this episode. So if you think anybody would like this episode with Mary about her book, Stiff and the topics we discussed, make sure you share it or any other episodes. Like we have only been going since like May and we already have over 60 episodes. So I'm sure if you go through the catalog, you'll find something and be like, you know what? I know some people would like one of these episodes, share it out there. All that stuff helps a ton. And I really appreciate it. And for some other ways uh, to support the podcast, if you're interested um, down in the description, you can head over to the rewiredsoul.com. I have self-published a few books on mental health, addiction recovery, and all of that. Uh, Or you could become a patron 
And if you're like me and someone who likes to improve your mental health, there is an affiliate link down below for BetterHelp Online Therapy. Uh, BetterHelp uh, was a lifesaver for me. I, I used the service. I had an amazing therapist. So I... I really, really <laughs> vouch for them and what they do. Um, it's affordable, it's online, you work with a licensed therapist, but I'll tell you what, one of my favorite features about BetterHelp, because a lot of people's concern is like, oh, what if I have a therapist that I don't like, or I, you know, I get a bad therapist. Like with a click of a button without any kind of awkward conversation, you can just get a new therapist, it's pretty sweet. So if you're interested, check that out down in the description. There's an affiliate link for BetterHelp Online Therapy. So yeah, another huge thanks to Mary for coming on to talk about Stiff and stay tuned because her new book, Fuzz, which comes out this month in September, we've already recorded an episode discussing that. So stay tuned. So she'll be back on the podcast in just uh, two or three weeks, something like that. All right, but thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing rest of your day and tune in tomorrow because I'll be back with another episode with another great author. All right, I'll see you next time.